Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Today I spoke with Joe Burrow, the founder and CEO of Just Website Brokerage. Joe brokers online businesses and in consecutive years now has been named the best-selling broker on Flippa, the marketplace for online businesses. In essence, Joe is one of the most successful brokers in the world. Today, he talks about how he started with a $700 website and is now brokering millions of dollars in deals. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Joe. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'm trying to connect the dots uh, with our guests here. And, you know, we've had some really great episodes uh, as far as like online real estate. You know, so we started off with uh, Slave Michalik with uh, domain names. We've talked to Victor Ma about domain names. And uh, we also talked to Michael Beroslavsky about online businesses uh, and his foray into domain names. And today we have another amazing guest, Joe Burrell. He is the most successful broker on Flippa, two years running now. So welcome on the show, Joe. Thank you very much, Rachel. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And for those, the uninitiated, you know, Flippa is a, a online marketplace for online businesses. And uh, Joe has, uh, you know, risen through the ranks and uh, really is one of the more successful brokers out there. Really, we could say because of Flippa's stature, you know, with what they do, one of the most successful flippers, you know, in the, in the world. So I'm going to start off with Joe. Let's just start off with kind of how you got into, into online businesses and uh, how you've worked kind of your way up uh, the ladder. Absolutely. So when I started uh, buying and selling businesses, well, I should probably go back a little further. So before I started all of this, I was a customer service officer for the uh, government uh, in Queensland Transport over in Australia. And I built up a bit of a nest egg of money that I wanted to figure out a way to invest. I ran across uh, Matt Lizrard, who run eBusiness Institute, as it's called today, and basically did a course with them, which ended up me being top of the class of 2012. So we're going back, this is 10 years now. So I was in my early 20s and I was just really excited to kind of get into this whole thing. I definitely rushed in headlong. I think I bought like three or four businesses in my first year, most of which weren't profitable. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it gave me the, the skills and the abilities that I have today, or at least it was the, the, the door that opened uh, to, to where I am today. But I've, I've always been, you know, technically minded and I was always attracted to the idea of this passive income, you know, where these assets, once you've bought them, they just earn your money while you don't have to do anything, while you're sleeping. So it's a very attractive concept and these are legitimate businesses. Um, and I started extremely small. I think my first site was only 700 US dollars. Now, you don't get very much for that. Back then, it was a little bit better than what you get now, but but for the most part, you know, you start small and build up. And at that time, that was all I could afford. So, yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? With everything. It doesn't matter what, what, it, what it is that you're doing. 
that's kind of one of the the stories that you know are kind of kind of follow you that you know that you were this government worker and you know kind of ho hum and that hey you know this guy made it so I, I find it I find that really really interesting but the truth is you know you like you said you're always technically minded you had this idea about um, you know investment you're always kind of focused uh, in that way and you also mentioned that you had kind of dabbled also like in cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin yeah that's more recently now <laughs> yeah more recent okay yeah so you know, you've always had that. What are your thoughts on that space, by the way, before we get into some other stuff? Yeah, I'm happy to touch on that. Just with the obvious caveat that that is not my expertise by any means. I literally just dabbled. Um, I bought, uh, I originally invested in Ethereum back in 2017 before uh, things like 400, uh, I think at the time. Uh, at the time, I was thinking Bitcoin was way overpriced and uh, I'll, I'll just go with this Ethereum thing that's, you know, the next best thing sort of thing, <laughs> which was obviously in hindsight not the right choice. But, you know, lately I've been getting a little bit more into it. I, I've done a couple of lock drops and uh, like staking my what I do have in the market. So it's sort of like instead of it just sitting there idly, just, you know, going up and down in value, it's also growing the number that I have, uh, which is what staking is supposed to do. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what I do. <laughs> um, that's very much on the side. And I maybe spend like an hour to a month on it. So, I mean, yeah. And it's cause we're talking a little bit about passive income, but definitely. And, and I, th- I think we can all kind of relate those of us that have gotten into this alternative asset space, just seeking different, different opportunities and just kind of taking advantage of, of this new technology. Yeah. I think, I think online businesses kind of, uh, fall in that realm because, um, Maybe a lot of people through the, the the pandemic, wherever they are in the world, right? They their lives changed, you know, in one way or the other. Whether whether it was because they were staying at home longer, um, they didn't really want to go back to that office job, and so you know, there's that opportunity with, like you mentioned, these online businesses to kind of be your own boss, you know, you know, if you, if you kind of get into it. Let's talk about that. You know, you you start off small, but I know it took you a couple of years to kind of really start being successful, and I'm I'm wondering how that online course that you took. How that really helped kind of kickstart, you know, the whole, your whole um, journey here and what it was about it, you know, that made you stick to it. Yeah, oh, it was massive. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for Matt and Liz and everything that they did for me. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely huge. I did other things as well. You know, I, I dabbled and um, I, I got information from elsewhere, like, you know, I think uh, SPI, Paplin. Uh, niche pursuits, a few other places sort of like that, where I just sort of gained inspiration from. I also had at the time sort of like, a, I suppose you could consider it a mindset coach, someone who helped me kind of get my head around the more mental aspects of running a business and like getting in your own way and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I grew a lot in those first few years, partly because of that mindset stuff that we did. I asked that question because a lot of times when someone's getting started, it's important to have that support and those, you know, maybe some mentors along the way. There are some great, from what I understand, there are, you know, I haven't myself got into, but I've, I understand that there are some great courses and some great, um, you know, institutes that are out there. And I, I was just wondering what your recommendation was, whether you should start off, you know, solo and just kind of figure it out as you go along or, or the importance of kind of having that, that support from the beginning. I think that education is key. So getting that from someone external is always it's a must. You have to do that. Otherwise, you're just going to be going in blind. You're going to make way too many mistakes and it'll be too costly for you to continue going. There will be mistakes along the way, regardless of what you do. 
this is the key. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize, especially early on. Like they just see the money and they go, oh, you know, everything's going to work out. And, you know, I'll just, uh, of course, I'm going to make my money back. And then as soon as they run into their first pitfall, they give up and they go, oh, it doesn't work. And this is something that I saw a lot when I was in the early times when I was in this course. A lot of people just gave up. They just didn't commit and they didn't stick with it long enough. My little brother did the course with me and he was the same. He's just, he, he didn't stick with it. He didn't really try very hard and it was just, oh, it's too hard. And then gave up. <laughs> it happens in any industry, right? With, with anything, any, any jobs even. Can you give me some examples of kind of what that early uh, journey was like when you were acquiring these businesses? Like you said, $700, you don't get much, but you took, you took advantage of that, right? You, you kind of had an idea of what to do with these uh, businesses. How do you make a, an online business that you purchased for $700? How do you make that profitable or marketable to resell? What are some of those strategies? Yeah, okay. So um, most of those first sites were just learning tools for me. I started getting profitable and essentially, you know, I would I would just double load, try and try and improve the income, improve the traffic. And at that time, I was just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Over time, I eventually refined what I was uh, you know, the niches that I was in and the things that I wanted to do to, or that you can do to grow these businesses. And um, then the end goal would always be to sell. So you set the business up to sell. Good documentation, good, you know, profit and loss, good thinking with the end in mind is, was very important for me uh, with all of the business that I owned. Any any specifics there in, in terms of like the documentation? So you're talking about like the monthly revenue, uh, the traffic, kind of like, uh, any any links that you might be adding to, to a site? What are the specifics there? Well, the monthly revenue early on was pretty small. I think for that $700 side, it was like $50 a month or something. But then, you know, when you go to sell it, I was usually able to sell for significantly more than what I bought them for. So uh, regardless of what the, the traffic or the trend, even sometimes I would buy a business and it would come down a little and I would still be able to sell it for more than I bought it for just simply because... I had my ducks in a row. It was well organized, and I had—I guess—I had good strategy and good mentors along the way as well. But in terms of specifics, um, what I would usually try and focus on was like, let's just say, if it only had one revenue stream, so say it was just an AdSense business. Um, all right, well, how else can we monetize this? Um, can we maybe add some affiliate products in here? Can we expand the topic? Uh, obviously traffic was very important, you know, working on the SEO on the business and creating new content and things like that. I mean, I, I definitely found my, pretty much all the businesses I had were content businesses and or SaaS businesses or like marketplace type businesses. I particularly loved the ones that had or could have a course or an info product, basically like I saw them sort of like an, as an asset that you can send um, so say, say you've got this month, Matt and Liz like to call them the money pages, right? So, um, if you, if you have a money page in one of your businesses in a specific niche, that's worth something because what you can do is buy other businesses in similar niches and point the traffic to this place. You get a hundred percent of the income and it's sort of more of a bolt on. You can buy this other business mostly for its traffic and it might be making like, you know, couple hundred a month but as soon as you start diverting that traffic to your money page it's all of a sudden making a thousand two thousand a month 
So things like that, those were the things that I like to do. And then you would bundle them up and sell them as a portfolio. Was there any point in time where like you had these businesses and you were like, man, this is still providing some good, some good, uh, you know, um, revenue and kind of hurt to let it go? Uh, yes, there were a few of those, especially the big ones that were sort of like, you always have your winners, you know, in the portfolio and, and the ones that do really, really well and just keep going up and up and up. And it's like, when should we sell? When should we sell? And, you know, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly when the best time to sell is. And sometimes you sell too early. Sometimes you sell too late. It just depends. And I think that I can, I can think of one that was a portfolio of two car review sites that I had and they probably one of the biggest sales that I did personally, it was in the six figure range. And this was obviously towards the end before I became a broker myself. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, oh, should we hang on to these? These, it was obviously my biggest owner, but in the long run, I do still stand by my, the decision to sell just simply because that infused other investments that we then made moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you're revamping these online businesses and you got to the point where you realized, you know, that maybe people were coming to you right now and they were interested in, in you kind of brokering uh, deals for them. What made you pivot there in terms of like, you had all the success revamping these online businesses, you have become an expert in that field. And now you're pivoting now to where your role changes now. You're a broker, maybe even slightly like a consultant, right? Yeah, well, that's a big part of it, you know. Giving, giving advice to people and, and showing them where to go and stuff like that. So, I mean, the reason, the reason why I pivoted was, like I mentioned before, I realized pretty, uh, pretty early on that my superpower with the growth of the portfolio was when we sold. The majority of the profits we made was when I sold. And I essentially just doubled down on that. It took me a little while, though. Uh, to realize that brokering was that avenue. I just thought that that was, it was the most fun part of the business for me as well. So Flipper actually reached out to me pretty early on and asked, like they had obviously noticed my activity on their platform and considered me a super seller. I think they called it back then, <laughs> even back then, uh, before I became a broker. And they offered me a position to basically be a broker on that platform and i turned down initially just simply because that's like what i'm doing is working why would i change um and then i don't know i did a bit of soul searching and realized that you know i enjoy it why would i not double down on it so i brokered i think one or two sites one of the first ones i did was an e-commerce business which was a whole nother thing because i never had actually run an e-commerce business um, even now I still haven't run them. I understand them a lot better than I did back then because I've broken many since then, but it was, it was just a whirlwind and I wasn't convinced straight away if it was something that I wanted to do. But then I had like, you know, two or three, like really significant successes, not big businesses, you know, still five figure businesses. So, you know, under, under a hundred K, but the, the amount of work that it took for me to sell those for my clients were, it, it really wasn't very much. And so I just, I just went with it. I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes. And before I knew it, I think probably two years after that, this was in 2018, 2017-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, before I knew it, it was I was selling up all the businesses I owned and focusing on the brokerage more than ever. <laughs> yeah, and so you're selling on Flippa, but you also have your own page, your own site, you know, your own business, uh, just website brokerage. 
And uh, I imagine that you use that, the Just Website Brokerage use that uh, brand uh, on Flippa. Yes. Why is, there, why is there a need for a broker in online businesses? Uh, very good question. Uh, you can you can go to Flipper right now. If you've got a website that's making money or whatever, or even a domain name, you can go there and sell it yourself, no problem. But the problem with doing that is that, one, you don't have the recognition, you don't have the trust, and you don't have the experience. So all of those things um, I bring to the table. I manage the entire listing from start to finish. So, you know, fielding buyer questions, all of that kind of stuff. There's a bit of work to begin with. So like, you you know, you have to supply me with all the information that I need to properly sell the business for you, which can take a week or so. And then I obviously compile that all into buyer-friendly formats and send them through to all of the interested buyers and then eventually negotiate a deal. So I basically help every single step along the way and make sure that the path that my clients are on, they're on the right path, you know? They don't fall into as many pitfalls. I vet the information that I list as well. I don't do full due diligence like I used to before I, I would buy a site, but I still I still do surface level checks like making sure that the traffic is real, making sure that um, income and profit um, match the screenshots that are given, those sorts of things. Yeah. With that being said, right, are there instances where you, you know, people are maybe trying to get you to, to sell their online business and you kind of, you're not you know, 100% sure that they meet that that test, you know, whatever, you know, that due diligence test that you have? Yeah, um, definitely. So I, I've definitely turned down my fair share of leads, um, not just for being too small, but also because either they're too complex. One sort of listing that I don't really like are like portfolio businesses where you have like 10 different businesses that are all really small but add up to a lot. Like that's that's a very complex kind of deal because you've got to transfer all of that stuff. You've got to organize all of the data for each specific business, for each domain name. So if there's 10 of them, you've got to do it 10 times. So, you know, there are instances where I, I turn them back, um, but the more nefarious ones, it's difficult to pick, you know, and occasionally I do list, I have listed some in the past that, um, I ended up taking down because there was like something that the seller didn't tell me about. Like one that comes to mind was there was um, the person was actually being sued because they had breached some copyright or something like this, and I had no idea about it until the site was live on Flipper, um, and I ended up having to pull the listing because I can't I can't sell a business that's got attached to a lawsuit. So you know stuff like that. You know, and before we got on on the podcast, I kind of likened it to. Um to real estate, right? Like how you kind of start off maybe as a quote unquote real estate agent, right? Where you're selling your, you know, you're kind of working there doing the dirty work, right? Selling these sites. But now that you're explaining it, like when I look back at my real estate broker, when I bought a home, it didn't do a whole lot, uh, you know, but that's not what you're doing. I mean, you, you, you seem to be, like you said, you, you are doing a, a you know, a good amount of work uh, and, pro- and providing a great deal of value besides just kind of being, you know, the guy there and, well, the difference between this and real estate is that real estate is it's just a house. You know, there's pretty much from one house to the next, it's going to be the same, very, very similar at the very least. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because I'm actually selling, we're selling the apartment that we're living in now, right now. So uh, it's it's fun to kind of watch what the brokers are doing, engage 
uh, comparisons and see what see what the difference is and stuff like that. But I think that there is a lot that goes on in the background that you probably don't see, like negotiating with buyers. So a lot of the time, my clients will go, well, they'll ask me, you know, what's going on, what's going on, regardless of how much interest we've had on on their business. And I only really come to them once we've got like a solid offer or something that's actually worth mentioning, you know? Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not working in the background, making sure that, you know, everyone's questions are answered, you know, making phone calls and talking to people, etc. So yeah, there's a lot that happens that the client doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Could, you know, could you take me through that? Because, you know, I haven't really been on Flippa. There's different selling strategies, right? Yep. Uh, and I know you've talked about it. Like, so do you list... And, and just for my sake, translating the, the, the websites, like, do you list it at a, at a buy it now price or do you do auctions? And I know you've mentioned about uh, what your strategy is in terms of what you do. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you could take us through that process. Yeah, absolutely. So it depends a little bit on the, um, the size of the business. The smaller the business, so the smaller as in the value, if the value is less, there are a lot more buyers at the lower price ranges, which is sort of, you know, uh, basically 20,000 USD-ish or less, up to maybe 30K. Those businesses I have a different strategy for because there are that many buyers. So long as you get them, get it in front of enough people, um, the the strategy that I use is uh, no reserve auction. So we start at $1 and let the auction just run. Uh, usually goes for two to three weeks. Um, and then at the end, whoever's the highest bidder, wins the business, basically. There are a number of reasons why I do it this way. One is because, obviously, it being a smaller business, we want a guaranteed sale. Doing it as a no-reserve option basically means that it will sell at the end, at the end of the two or three weeks. Uh, the next reason is, obviously, uh, with most auction-style uh, events, you often end up in a bidding war. So if there are two or three people that really want it, the price just keeps going up and up and up. And I've seen this happen many, many times to the point where it goes way above what I was expecting it to, which is an excellent result for everybody, including the buyer in some cases, because usually the buyer will want something, they'll, they'll want it for a reason. They've seen some opportunities in it that maybe we haven't. And I often follow up on these buyers that, that buy for, for very high multiples on profit, what they've done with it, and almost always they've done something good with it. Uh, and then for, for the ones that are a little bit bigger, uh, it varies. I can, I sometimes list them with a reserve. So as an auction with a reserve. So say if the business is valued at roughly 60 K, I'll, I'll put the, put the reserve around there. Obviously the reserve needs to be a price that the, the seller is comfortable selling for, but I like to, like to keep it a little low to in, in, incentivize bids. But when we start getting to the bigger ones, um, I'm listing them for as an auction doesn't really work as well because they typically want to talk about terms. They want to talk about maybe some seller financing. They want to talk about like actually have calls with you, um, maybe sign an uh, LOI, a letter of intent to, to buy the business uh, or go under exclusivity for a while. You know, those sorts of things start to happen and it becomes a bit more complicated um, so having those listed as like a, a marketplace with a with an asking price 
is the way to go for those bigger ones. So, yeah, uh, I usually talk with the seller, and the seller is also very much a factor. So if the seller really wants it sold and they need it sold this month, then there are things that we can do to make sure that that happens. <laughs> so. You mentioned that bidding war, and it's almost like uh, when you have that um, that auction with no reserve, there's a big psychological aspect to it where you know you feel like at the beginning you're getting a deal because it's listed so low. You know, you started with a dollar. Yep. Uh, and it, inevitably it, it rises. Uh, but and I'm talking about like my personal experience with like eBay auctions, right? And then once you're invested, like you're invested and you don't care if you're paying, you know, five, six, seven, eight more dollars than you intended to because now you want to win. Yeah, there's definitely that for sure. But, you know, and, and I, that's crazy because you're not buying a, a car, you know, you're not buying a, a, an item, right? You're buying a business. So, uh, but, but uh, it definitely still applies, I imagine. It's an investment, you know, and, and if anything, it, 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 it makes it more so because you're getting something significant in return for your investment. Um, whereas if you're on eBay just wanting to buy whatever it is you're buying, um, you just get that object and that's that. But I mean, then again, you know, it does sometimes become emotional. I've seen it happen, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't to really trick the buyer. I, I, that's not why I do it. Um, usually, more often than not, it just ends pretty much directly in between the valuation that I've given the seller. So it, it just has that possibility. The opposite is also true. You know, if um, there are some hidden skeletons in the business and we've listed it as an reserve option, it can sometimes end well below what we were expecting it to. And you have to sell because there was no reserve. So there's, there is a risk involved and it doesn't always pan out. <laughs> but I mean, I give it the best possible chance regardless. So, you know, if it was going to sell for 5,000 or 10,000 and I had listed it or expected it to sell for double that or something, chances are if we had listed it with a reserve for that amount, it wouldn't have sold to anybody. So the result from those no reserve options often is pretty much the best that you can hope for. Yeah. It, it's almost like a, it's true, uh, you know, price discovery when you do that. You kind of, it really is what the market is, is asking for. Even, even, even though, even though somebody in some cases might've gotten a better deal just by buying it uh, at the buy now price or whatever. So for someone interested, you know, in starting with in, e in either buying a business, right. Or even maybe starting with their own sort of online business. What does the marketplace look like now? I mean, you said you started basically 10 years ago. How has this whole industry changed uh, in that time? A lot. <laughs> so back when I first started, you could quite easily pick up a business for 10 times the monthly profit. Well, if it was making 100 a month, it would, you would be able to buy it for 1,000. That doesn't really happen anymore um, unless it's a private deal who you're, and you're buying off someone who has no idea how much their business is worth. So it's not impossible. It can still happen, but it's rare. Um, certainly not on Flipper. So Flipper has done a good job of educating buyers to let them know how much their asset's worth. So when you actually list now on Flipper, they they give you a valuation right then and there in the process. So, you know, it's pretty hard to get away with that these days. But multiples have just continued to go up and up and up and up and up. Um, and they haven't stopped. And it's difficult to say if or when they'll stop going up because the sort of businesses that we're buying or that, that you know, are being sold, they're lifestyle businesses. You don't need to go to an office. Most of them, almost all of them, you can run from home. Um, they are mostly passive with high profit margins. 
you know, like there's so many good things about them when you compare them like to traditional businesses, um, like bricks and mortar businesses, they're still valued in a lot of cases less than those. And this is excluding like, you know, those tech startup style stuff, but then, you know, that's debatably also, you know, those usually have fixed offices and stuff like that, that you would also be purchasing. So that's not the range that I'm in, to be perfectly frank. My, my range is, you know, mid five figures for on average. So uh, th- that's sort of the area that I'm playing with at the moment and pushing up into the mid six figure range these days as well. So as I get more experience um, doing this, the the deals just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I imagine that, you know, obviously you're not the only one on Flippa. Uh, you have other, other people, other brokers on the site. Is that a lot of it too? You know, kind of, you know, broker to broker business. How involved are you with like the actual sellers and the actual buyers? Like who are you actually uh, dealing with uh, mostly? So early on when a client first comes to me, it's all about me and the seller. So I'm talking to the seller. I'm doing, uh, it's just back and forth with the seller. When we list it on the marketplace, it shifts. And now I'm focusing on the buyers. I'm trying to find a buyer. We've got all the information we need from the seller. Sometimes I'll go to the seller if there's a question that the buyer asks that I don't have the answer to. That sometimes happens. Uh, but other than that, it's usually the seller only gets involved once we have offers on the table. Could you take me, uh, you know, give me some examples, some good and bad, right? Uh, and obviously you've had way more good than bad. And you alluded to some of them before, what you're able to do kind of help get a higher uh, selling price on the other end, right? If you're like a, if you're a buyer, what are some ways that you can be burning? You talked about, you know, some businesses that have hidden, hidden skeletons. How prevalent is that? And how important is it then to really go through a trusted source? Good question. So, I mean, uh, like I mentioned before, I do service level due diligence. So I'm making sure I bet the numbers. I make sure everything is above board from the surface. It is the buyer's responsibility to do their full due diligence before they purchase. But that's not my responsibility. And I make that crystal clear in my listings. So, um, you know, when, when that happens, if say, for example, that that would be a bad thing if there are some skeletons and I'm always transparent. If something comes up and I wasn't aware of it, I'll, I'll post a public comment on the listing, make sure that everyone is aware. For sure. And I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering what happens when some of that stuff goes by. I imagine that there's there has to be some sort of like uh, this meeting of the minds, right? So like, I end up buying this this website and I'm stoked and yeah, you know, there, there, there was this thing that I was kind of had a question about and now this little question has become a big deal. So, okay, there's a few things to cover here. Obviously, yes, that can happen. And that's why it's the buyer's responsibility to make sure that they do their due diligence and they know what they're buying. There is in every single deal an inspection period, usually for seven days. Um, this is done after the funds are after all of the assets are transferred to the buyer. So the buyer has control of the business and it's basically just a period where they can check to make sure that they have everything and that everything is claimed. Uh, everything is is what was claimed. So, you know, they can start seeing the money come in and if things don't look right, that's the time to ask questions. That's the time that basically they're allowed to pull out of the deal if things don't stack up. You know, so if, if all of a sudden they take over a business and, you know, income is 20% less than what was expected, that's reason enough for them to say, no, I don't, I don't want to proceed. So it's a seven day period. And that, that's basically your chance there as a buyer to pull out if you're not comfortable. But 
you should be comfortable because you should have done your due diligence beforehand. <laughs> sure. Joel, I got some parting questions. Uh, the first question would be, say someone wants to follow your footsteps, right? They're interested in learning how to either, you know, even just start a passion project, you know, start an online business, uh, a content online business, right? That they're just passionate about and see, hey, maybe I can monetize this. and Maybe I can get some passive income from there. Maybe some people want to take the next step there and that's, you know, buying multiple businesses and then changing them. And then finally that the step you took, which now you're dealing with exclusively as a broker. What are some ways that somebody can, can start with you? What are some, you know, uh, resources that you recommend? All right. So first off, there is no substitute for experience. You need to get in and start getting your hands dirty. I recommend to most people who are interested in actually owning and operating these sorts of businesses to build one themselves first. Uh, let's just say you're interested in content businesses, buy a, buy a domain name from, from Namecheap or wherever, install WordPress and just play around with it. Just mess around. Don't have to, it, it's sort of like a learning experience. You know, watch some tutorials on YouTube or sign up for a course or something like that, just to sort of get your toes wet and just make sure that it is something that you want to proceed with. And then uh, after that, you can start getting more serious and okay. Uh, I, I like this. This makes sense. I understand it now. Let's let's dig in, and we'll. Uh, I want to buy an asset. So obviously, one of the biggest benefits of buying one instead of building one is that you skip that first phase. You know, I, I I've built many businesses. That was part of what I did. I didn't always just buy and then sell. I would build and then sell. And I would say I probably had a hit rate of maybe twenty five percent of businesses that I actually started. A lot of them didn't take off. And for reasons, it's difficult to pinpoint. So buying a business from the start means that you are buying one that has already passed that first hurdle. It's already profitable. It's making money. It's got traffic. So that, that's then something that you can do with. You can, you can you know, expand it from there and play with the <laughs> you know, uh, monetization and things like that. So. And then I guess the, the last thing, um, you know, we talked about Flip a lot. Um, I really want to talk about, you know, your business, you know, just website brokerage, people can go there as well. Where can they reach out to you? You know, where could they kind of um, find out a little bit more about your profile and everything? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is justwebsitebrokerage.com. Um, I service both buyers and sellers. So if you have a business that you've got to sell that you're curious about selling or just want to know how much it's worth, you can. there's a form you can fill in that just gives me enough information to let you know how much it's worth um, and whether or not we can you know, move ahead together and come up with strategies and stuff like that. The minimum is uh, $10,000. So if it's valued at $10,000 or more, I'll usually represent you. That usually looks like $300 per month in profit, give or take, as a minimum. If you're a buyer, I obviously list a lot of businesses. Like at the moment, I think I have, I think I have like 10 or 11 businesses for sale on Flipper. You can, you can join my mailing list and submit your criteria on there. So it's just website brokerage forward slash buyers. Um, and that will basically put you on the list and you'll only get um, deals that are suited to your um, criteria that you've input on the form. And Joel, best of luck as well. I know that you, uh, you just became a dad a couple months ago. What, what's that been like, man? Uh, it's been crazy. Absolute whirlwind. So it's our first. He's eight and a half months old now. So he's he's crawling around all over the place and just being a little trooper. <laughs> He's the best. Is that what made you realize uh, you're like, we need a bigger place. Maybe we need to move out of the apartment. Absolutely. Yes. That is a big part of it. So he's actually, we, we, we put a room together for him in um, what is essentially a walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
no, this isn't going to work. We need something bigger. So, so yeah. funny. Yeah, man, it's great. It's great. Uh, you know, changes your life and um, something else to work for, right? So, absolutely. Yeah, massive. Joe, it was great talking to you. You know, it was great. Uh, you know, meeting you. And uh, best of luck. We'll keep in touch. Maybe we can we can check in again in you know six months, a year or something to see how you're doing. I would love that, Horatio. Yeah, very much appreciate it. And thank you for having me on the show. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Have a great day. You too. Learning about any industry gets me excited. But at the heart of it all is how successful players manage to stick with it. And it's definitely one of the lessons that Joe talked about. I don't know about you, but the idea of content sites producing revenue streams has got me thinking. A big thanks to Joe for joining me on the podcast, and a big thanks to you for spending part of your day with us. If you enjoyed today's episode, let others know about it or leave a review or a comment. Until the next time, take care.